MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got three tremendous hours for you as we're going to be touching upon all that we're getting in the sports world right now. We're going to be leading off with some football in 15 minutes as got a pair of great guests joining me. They have joined me all year long. That would be Tom Caselli, who does great work over at Action Network, and then Mark Drummeller does amazing work over at Yahoo Sports, and Got to continue the conversation with Mark in a few minutes as well. After we talk a little bit of football, we're going to be hitting upon some UFC as well as the UFC fight game. It has been absolutely tremendous. I'm sure that there are still some people that are a little bit distraught as to some of the decisions that we saw on last week's card. But that said, it's been really good to be able to see all these fights really all fall and winter long. We're going to have some great fights coming up within the next few weeks. So, we're going to be talking to Mark about that in hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to be joined by the dynamic duo of Brad Thomas, who does great work over at NBC Sports Bet, and Anthony DeBundo. He does great work over at Action Network. We're going to be talking about two different things with them. We're going to talk a little NFL, and then we're going to talk a little football. As we've got the World Cup final all sent, it was Morocco was able to make a very, very dramatic run, but they're actually going to be in the third place game. And I do think that that is very interesting to take a look at because typically when it comes to teams that are not competing for the title, but they're sort of playing postseason games, those of you guys that like college basketball, like I do, if you take a look at the CBI, the NIT, what have you, it turns into, 
Let's have a lot of fun and not play a lot of defense. I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit different for the third place game of the World Cup. I personally am not the Mona Lisa Vito of soccer by any stretch of the imagination. And that's why we got the guests coming on to be able to tell us a little bit more about that. What to expect from that and obviously what to expect from a final that is going to be involving Kylian Mbappe going up against Argentina and Messi. That is going to be tremendous theater. And then I'm going to talk a little bit of football with them as well. And then in our number three, Brad Thomas. He's back for more as he's going to be joining Scott Reichel, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're going to be talking college football bowls. And with college football bowls, it can be very, very murky this time of year. You've got all the opt-outs. You've got guys going into the transfer portal. I'm not sure if it's like college basketball where you've got guys entering into the transfer portal, but they're still playing in bowls because we've seen that quite a few times. Like right now I'm covering college basketball. You've got a guy by the name of Leo O'Boyle for Lafayette. He's continuing to play the rest of the year for Lafayette, but he's in the transfer portal for next year. So you got to be asking about that. The unfortunate situation that's happening with Mississippi State. How are they going to be proceeding forward with that as they have named an interim coach? I believe that was their defensive coordinator in Arnett who is going to be taking over. So you've got a lot that is on tap there. And with college football bulls, it's really hard to do. What I do think is something that is very important, that's projecting for because with college bowls, you just don't know what's going to be out there on the field. Sometimes until game time. Like, I still remember, I forget what bowl North Texas was in, but I was thinking, man, this seems like a solid team to back. I like their running back, what have you. And then, yes, yeah, their running back opt out of the game hours before, and, well, North Texas went down in a fiery heap of smoke, and, that's just what makes things very, very complicated. But in terms of really any sporting event that is in college football bowls, it, the question becomes how far in advance should you be looking? Like for myself, college basketball is a 12-month out-of-the-year job. And I think that this really comes up for me in terms of baseball because my two main sports are college basketball and baseball. No if fans are buts about it. Right now what is taking up the primary amount of my time right now is taking a look at college basketball You've got loaded slate upon loaded slate. Fortunately for myself, though, those of you guys have taken a look at the college basketball card that is going to be coming up for Thursday, it is very, very bare. I think that there's something like nine or ten games on the board in total, so it's a little bit of a breather day for myself, and that becomes the question of, all right, how far in advance do you start taking a look at baseball? Do you reserve some of those days? Because I think it really does vary from better to better. There are some of you guys that are listening out there that probably do quite a bit in the futures market. You're taking a look to try to extract a lot of values. You're projecting forward in terms of these MLB season wins. You're taking a look at, am I able to get a nice long shot to be able to win like an American League pennant or something like that? And then there are others, much like myself, that really don't do a lot in terms of futures market really at all. But we're taking a look to see, all right. What sort of advantages are we going to have towards the beginning part of the season? Who is maybe a guy that was injured towards the end of last season that might be trying to come back a little bit early? Is that going to be in the rotation? How is that going to be setting up things of this nature? And I do think that it is always important to take sort of that college approach because I'm sure that I'm speaking to a lot of men and women that have went to college before. And if you have not, well, hopefully I could give you a little bit of a lesson here. When you've got a like term paper, you've got just some sort of a research project, what have you, that the professor gives you a month to do. 
you typically don't want to have to try to do it in 48 hours. It's going to be sloppy work. You're going to put yourself under very much unneeded stress. And then at the same time, what you don't want to do is if you're given 32 days to complete it, you don't want to wait 31 and a half days, be drinking Natty Light down in the basement with a couple of your bros, and then be like, oh my gosh, I've got a term paper that's due in five hours. And then you put it all together, and typically it doesn't turn out well. I wonder who might have done that back in the day. Only my freshman year, because after my freshman year, I realized, you know what, this might not be the world's greatest strategy. What I always did was I'd be like, all right, well, let's do a little bit in advance. Let's just, if it if you think it's going to take you like 30 hours to be able to complete the paper, I'm just throwing out there an arbitrary number, so we'll go with that. For this example, you've got 32 days. You've got a paper that'll take you about 30 hours to complete when it's all said and done between the research, the actual writing, editing, blah, 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 blah. But what you want to do is probably try to split it into as many equal chunks as humanly possible. I'll do one hour a day, and then you know what? There might be a day or two in which I get a little bit more done. There might be a day or two in which I get a little bit less done. You know what? That's perfectly fine. Just as long as I'm able to stay on a relatively good trajectory you never know when landmines are going to be popping up, when there's a little bit of a family emergency, what have you. We're going to be all good there. Typically, things go quite well, and I do think that this is very important in terms of all sports to be able to do, whether that be like the sport that I'm trying to prepare for right now in baseball, just being able to keep my eye on it. It's not one of these cases where you're going to be taking a look like for 15 hours as to who all signed who, because we are seeing a lot of money getting thrown around. It is now known that we're going to be getting Carlos Correa on the San Francisco Giants on a big giant deal. As we know, Aaron Judge, he re-signed with the New York Yankees a couple days ago. It seems as though Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be back in the Los Angeles area. Being able to just stay aware, stay alert of things, that is very, very important. And I recognize that not everyone is going to be able to put in as much time these next few weeks, and rightfully so, because it's holiday season, whether you... Take part in Christmas, Hanukkah, you're able to go down the list. Whatever your holiday of choice is, it is very much a time of year in which things are wrapping up. You've got New Year's parties, you've got insert your holiday here parties, and you know what, it gets to be a little bit busy, but keeping that just on the back of your mind, even if it's just a few minutes here and there while you're juggling your normal 9-to-5 job, being able to be there for the kids, go to some of these outings, what have you, I do think that that... It's just two-thirds of the battle right there. I always They always say that showing up is winning half the battle. I really think that in this case, it's pretty much two-thirds or three-fourths of the battle. And then from there, you're able to proceed forward once we get through the holidays. And holidays are a little bit of a stressful time for all of us as well. Because, as you know, there's a lot of people are going to be making New Year's resolutions. And I will give this one to you in advance right now. I said this on the air last year, and I do think that it's so important. If you see something that maybe... It could be sports betting related. It could be something in your normal life. Don't think that you have to wait until January 1st to be able to make that resolution. If you see something that's wrong, address it here on December 14th slash 15th, whenever you are listening to this, because, I mean, why continue to let it linger and be like, oh, I'll hit it two weeks from now? Because if you're starting that mentality right now, going into 2023, it's never, ever going to get done. It's like procrastinators unite tomorrow. That is exactly what you are doing. There's no need to make a resolution for January 1st. If you know that you need to address it right now, that I think is a good memo, whether that be sports gambling, whether that be 
trying to just get a little bit more fresh air. It does not matter what it is. I think that that is very, very important as well. And what we're also seeing a little bit of as well is variance. And it happens at all sports. You see it in football. You see it in basketball. You see it in baseball. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around how Baker Mayfield still pulled off last Thursday night, the comeback that he did. I'm also, many of you guys, I'm sure, are not happy along with myself as how this one shook out. Trying to wrap my head around how Louisville scored like 94 points in a basketball game and actually shot it well from three-point range. And I always think that it's very, very important to not overreact to one data point. I know that I've said it a few times, but I think that it's always worth addressing whenever you see something very, very strange happen as a total in that Western Kentucky versus Louisville game. It went from like 133 and a half to 134 and a half, and then Louisville just could not miss a shot to save their lives. If that game were to happen tomorrow, I recognize that my DK Nation pick one up in a fiery heap of smoke, laying the seven, became seven and a half points with Western Kentucky. But I do think that it's very important to just stay grounded, actually watch a game and be like, man, any other day, Louisville was not going to be able to hit these shots on this day. They were very, very hot. And I always think that that is very important. Always play the long game because as they say in sports betting, the best of the best on a minus 110 spread because you always find various amounts of juice. They typically hit right around 52.38%. If you think that you've got a outcome that would happen more than 53 out of 100 times and you're laying minus 110 or less, that is something that you always want to be taking. And we always want to take great guests on this show. And you got a pair of them coming up next. Mark Drummeller, he does amazing work at Yahoo Sports, and Tom Caselli over there at Action Network. We're going to be hitting this week's NFL card with them next, right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. 
So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. In just a few short days, college bowl season is going to be kicking off, and VSN has you covered with this year's college football bowl guide. This year's guide has picks on the spread in total for every single game from VEASAN experts and the one and only Brent Musburger. Steve Mackinnon, he's got power rankings breaking down every single team and the motivational factors that affect the bowl games. Josh Applebaum is going to give you insights into bowl betting strategy. And Adam Burke, here in a bowl confidence bowl, he's going to help you get an advantage here. Give yourself an edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to check out the college football bowl betting guide. That is at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be joined by our two guests. We've got Tom Casale, does great work over at Action Network, and likewise for Mark Drummeller over at Yahoo Sports. And gentlemen, it is always a pleasure. And let us start with Thursday Night Football. As this is actually one of the better Thursday Night Football games, in my opinion. you got a Seattle Seahawks team that has been fading a little bit the last few weeks, but still has been able to put together a solid year. And they're going up against a San Francisco 49ers team that certainly has captured the imagination of many. We're seeing mostly threes with juice in the market. I'm still keep seeing a couple straight three and halves, but seeing mostly threes with a total of 43. I'll lead off with you, Mark. Where do you stand in terms of this game? Yeah, I actually like the underdog. I like Seattle here. You know, it sounds like a contrarian play. If you look at the 49ers, red hot, six wins in a row, have covered four straight games. 
Seattle, just the opposite, right? Failed to cover the last four straight games. Haven't been the same since they went to Germany and played Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But uh, I think they this is a spot for them to really get back on track. San Francisco having to travel here into Seattle in a primetime game on a short week. And they're just really banged up. You have Debo out. You have McCaffrey nursing injuries. You have Purdy nursing an injury. So he's limited in practice. He's got short prep time with the short week. Now he's got to go into one of the loudest stadiums in the league. Um, and they're going to be fired up. This is a huge game for Seattle. Their playoff, you know, they're holding on to a thread by their playoff chances. And now they get Kenneth Walker back. And I, I think that that's really the key here, not because they're going to have a ton of success on the ground against San Francisco, but I think you're going to see both coaches get real conservative here and really dial back the aggression, use the running game, shorten the possessions, play field position. Uh, you know, Seattle's defense has been terrible against the run. Everybody's running on them. So I really think that they kind of sell out here against the run. They get Shelby Harris back, so they get some reinforcements on the defensive line. And I just see this as a real low-scoring game. So in that type of game script, I think Seattle's valuable here with the three-and-a-half points. Brock Purdy, you know, looked great against Tampa. But on the road in a primetime game, you know, and against a division rival, I think is a pretty tough spot for them. And I'll throw this to you, Tom, as well, because when it comes to this game, I do think that the hook is very significant. If you like the San Francisco 49ers, I think you should be doing everything humanly possible to get the three and lay as little juice as humanly possible. Meanwhile, if you're on the Seattle Seahawks, getting three and a half instead of three, I think is paramount in this spot. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same uh, page with Mark here. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I lean to the under. You know, Purdy's not, not being healthy concerns me a little bit it's his first road game you know we talked last week about how Seattle's kind of fallen back here a little bit so it, it, it's hard for me to trust them just because what Mark said I don't know if they can stop the 49ers rushing attack to me that's where the game's going to be decided uh so it's an interesting game not just for this week but for for beyond because obviously Purdy's going to be the guy who leads the 49ers into the playoffs now so I want to see how he plays on the road here but I'm with Mark with the low scoring affair I think you could see some turnovers here some sloppy play obviously the 49ers defense playing at an elite level right now so I like the under yep I don't blame you there I do think that this is going to be a game in which we're going to be seeing not so many points and I do think that Brock Purdy after he just exploded in the first half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers he's possibly going to be falling back to earth a little bit and Tom on this show we've been Doing pretty much a running segment here of Fade Nathaniel Hackett. We've got to ask, is the fade going to be continuing here as this might be the grotiest game we have seen all season long? The Arizona Cardinals, a not well-coached team to say the least with Cliff Kingsbury going up against Nathaniel Hackett and company, a pair of backup quarterbacks in Denver with a spread of between two and a half and three with a total between 36 and 36 and a half. I'm not sure if you're going to continue with Fade Nathaniel Eichner or not, but I can tell you right now, this is not a game that I'm rushing to go watch. No, I put a small play in only because I do it every week for fun. You know, <laughs> just uh, I'm just tracking it to see how it goes. But man, this is a uh, this Ugh. is an ugly game. You got two coaches who are probably on their way out. One for sure. We'll see what happens in Arizona. You got both starting quarterbacks out. You know, I'll give the Broncos a little bit of credit. They were down 27 nothing last week, and they still played hard, which was surprising to me. When the Chiefs got up 27 nothing, I thought, oh, boy, they're going to hang a 50-burger on Denver. But, you know, they came back. 
and then Wilson gets hurt. It's just kind of, it's kind of, it hasn't been their year, right? We know that Hackett's not the guy. Um, I, I still lean Arizona a little bit because I think they have the better backup quarterback. But man, what kind of what kind of effort are they going to come with this week? So, a uh, little lean to Arizona, but I wouldn't go crazy on that one. Yeah, but I do think that Colt McCoy is pretty serviceable, and the best weapon out there on the field is going to be DeAndre Hopkins as well. But boy. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals defense, they just, if you look at their metrics, I think they draw a big, giant, frowny face. And I mean, with the Broncos, you actually do have a pretty respectable defense, actually a very good defense. They just have been let down by their offense all season long. So we shall see what happens there. This game's going to be a little bit more competitive as neither of these teams are necessarily Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. But both of these teams are jockeying for playoff position. It's the Alliance and the Jets. Right now, we're seeing this as a relative pick'em game. DraftKings has the Jets as a one-point favorite, but most places have this as a pick'em total on this game, 44 and a half. Mark, I know that you've got a bit of a play on this one. Where do you stand? Because in terms of what we've seen recently, you lean towards the Lions, but there are a lot of elements here that point me towards the Jets, including the Lions, a dome team having to go on the road and play out in some, shall we say, not-so-favorable conditions. Yeah, that's really the key here. And I think, you know, Lions have been making everybody money, but I think it stops now. The market eventually catches up to every team. And I think that's what you see here. Just a bad spot for Detroit. Um, When you look at these two defenses, they are not the same. Couldn't be more different, right? The Jets, 4.8 yards per play, tied for fewest in the NFL with Philadelphia and Dallas and San Francisco, all four of those teams. Really good company, right? The Lions, dead last in the NFL at 6.2 yards per play. They allow the 30th most passing yards, 31st passing yards per attempt. So uh, the Lions defense really struggling here, playing a little bit better, but still in a bad spot. Mike White, even Mike White's going to go up and down the field on this team, I feel like. And Jared Goff out in cold weather, you know, not really good. When you look at the Lions, really reliant on their offense to score points. They're one in five in games where they've uh, scored less than 28 points. The Jets have held everybody to less than 28 points, except for the Browns back in week two in that weird 31 to 30 game. So I think this really sets up for, you know, the Jets defense to have a real big day against Detroit and to come away with a big win for them as far as their playoff hopes are concerned. Yep, it's a something's got to give scenario because Mark, you just pointed it out how good the Jets defense has been. The Lions have been completely terrible on defense, but the offense has been really good as well. So I feel like a higher scoring game probably bodes in favor of the Lions. Lower scoring game, that bodes in favor of the Jets. So we shall see there. And then, Tom, I know that you've got a nice play out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is the Raiders going up against the New England Patriots. The Patriots, they stayed out west, which is something that I do think is actually quite critical. The fact that they didn't travel back and now maybe traveling back to lovely Las Vegas, anything like that. So good on them for that. And the Patriots, we've seen them become a one-point favorite in the market. Tron's game is 44 and a half. Certainly the coaching advantage is here with the New England Patriots. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It is the protege going up against the sensei in this circumstance. And I personally like the Patriots. I feel like you're leaning towards that side as well. Yeah, well, guys, listen, if the Patriots don't cover this game, I might have to tell the boys about Santa Claus because uh, this is one of my favorite plays of the year. Uh, yeah, listen, I was in New England for a couple of years. Maybe I take too, put too much into this, but Bill's biggest strength is knowing certain coaches and players' tendencies and exploiting those. He used to have a really good record against Wade Phillips. I mean, I just feel he's, it's going to be like that scene in The Waterboy where the, where the coach is reading like uh, coaching for idiots and laughing at the other mm-hmm. guy. 
I, I just see Bill kind of knowing what's coming here. So that's the coaching edge. Then you just look at the game. You know, the Raiders coming off that another heartbreaking loss on Thursday to the Rams and Baker Mayfield. How much do they have left in the tank? And the Patriots have just beaten up on these bad teams this year. You mentioned them staying out West. Bill's had success doing that in the past. I just think it's too much Patriots. Uh, I like them to win this game easily. And I think it's remarkable that fewer people know the real secret about Santa and that he actually really prefers chocolate milk. Everyone always Tootsie skim milk and everything like that as if Santa's on a diet. No, Santa Claus wants the chocolate milk. So anyone <laughs> listening, make sure that you do that. And that way you get extra presents for Christmas. That is part of why you might be getting some lumps of coal. You haven't been putting out the chocolate milk. And we're going to be looking to try to put out the chocolate milk in terms of college football because it is crazy. Bowl season is going to be getting started within the next few days. And I know that Mark Drummeller does great work at Yahoo Sports at Tom Casale, likewise at Action Network. They've got some plays for us next here on the Great Peterson Experience on Decent, the Sports Bank Network. on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy a nicotine. Look, most nicotine pouches are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for, but Zen Nicotine Pouches, they might surprise you because... Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zinn online or find a store that is nearest you at Zinn.com. That is ZYN.com today. And warning that this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine, it is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network, great to be rejoined by Tom Casale over at Action Network and Mark Drumler over there at Yahoo Sports. And we're going to start with you on this one, Tom, as I know you've got a little bit of a play in what we're going to be seeing on Friday in Orlando, Florida. It is Troy and UTSA. Troy opened up the very slight underdog. Now they're the very slight favorite. Not a lot of movement on this game, which has become a little bit of a rarity in terms of these bowl games. But because of the day of the game, you could see a whole bunch of calamities break loose. But with that said, where do you stand in terms of this Troy versus UTSA game? pair of really good mid-majors that couldn't quite bust through. Yeah, I'm not surprised there's not too much movement. I think the line's about right for this game. One of the few that there's not a lot of intrigue about who's going to play. I just really like this Troy defense. You know, I've watched them a few times this year. They got some pros on that defense. They get after the quarterback. It's hard to run the ball on them. They did as good a job against the Army option as I've seen in some time. Um, now, this is going to be a good game, but I think UTSA is a little bit overvalued. I thought they were better last year. Um, they played a lot of close games this year in their conference, which I didn't think was that great. So I lean Troy here with the defense. I, I, it'll be a good, entertaining, probably a low-scoring game, but I, I think they get more points on the board and take this one. I like Troy. And then with Troy, there are a bunch of us out there in the Sun Belt, and this is an old Conference USA battle before Southern Miss. They moved on over to the Sun Belt this last season, and Mark, I know that you like this one. Rice and Southern Miss 
This is the Lending Tree Bowl. That is going to be out there in the great state of Alabama. Southern Miss opened up as a six-point favorite. Now they're anywhere between six and six and a half, so minimal movement here as well. Total has dropped by about three points. It's down to about 45 and a half. Any real concerns or any big plays in terms of this game? Because I do think that just in terms of all these games, very, very fascinating to see who's all going to be in slash, well, not in. Yeah, I like Southern Miss here. I think there's a pretty big gap between these two teams. You know, when you look at, you know, Rice and, and what do we know about them, especially as betters, right? It's overs, you know, because they can't they can't play any defense. They allow 6.2 yards per play, 118th in the country. Uh, for their last six games, they let up 40 points or more. So, you know, laying less than a touchdown against a team with that kind of defense, I think is pretty advantageous, especially when you consider Rice really banged up a quarterback. Green is out McCaffrey's up in the air if there's one position that you don't want to start digging really deep into the depth chart it's the quarterback position especially when you don't have a defense you know you're letting up 40 points every game you know now you don't know who's playing quarterback it just seems like a bad situation for Rice there were a lot of fun this year we cashed a ton of overs but this is a time we got to fade them I laid the points with Southern Miss and I think they route them I think this one gets out of hand pretty early and Rice packs it in and ironically enough, Tom, I know that you're on this game as well, and I think that you've got a similar thought process as our good friend Mark. I agree 100%. I think this is one of the blowouts of bowl season. Uh, there's Southern Miss, similar to Troy, good, very good defense, maybe a team that a lot of people have seen. And Rice is one of those teams. It's nice that they're in a bowl. You know, the, uh, the like Mark said, they're struggling at quarterback position now, and he hit it right on the head. If you're going to give up that many points, you're going to have to score a lot. And now we're looking at questions at the quarterback position against a pretty good Southern Miss defense. I see this as like a 40 to 13 blowout. I love Southern Miss. That's probably my favorite bowl pick out of them all. Yep, this is going to be an intriguing game to say the least. And for Rice, man, the defense, it has not been there for them. All season long, the defense is typically there for this team, as we'll go back to you on this one, Tom, as we've seen a flip of favorites in this game. Washington State, they open up a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They're now a three-and-a-half-point underdog against Fresno State, and total on this game, it hasn't really moved too much. Opened up at 54-and-a-half. Now we're seeing it between about 52 to 53, depending upon where you look. This is going to be the Los Angeles Bowl out there in SoFi Stadium. Do you think that the line move is warranted? Because as we know, there are a couple guys for Washington State that we were ex expecting before, but they're not going to be going anymore. Yeah, and, you know, one book, when they first opened it, had Fresno plus four and a half. Yeah. I, I, I looked in and just to see, and Hayner had already said he's playing, so I think that was a mistake by an odds maker to hang that number, and now you're seeing, the, you know, the difference here. I just think Fresno State is a flat-out better team right now. The they you know when Hayner has played they he, with the games he has started and finished they've only lost one all year and that was to Oregon State in the last seconds they've won eight games in a row since he came back. Remember their losses the ugly losses were when he was out and there's a big gap between him and the backup Fife. So now that he's there, the defense is playing good. You know, that th they really took uh, Boise State out behind the woodshed in Boise in that championship game. Looked really good. I like them here. I, I think they win this game by 10-plus. And this feels like it could be a little bit of a motivation spot for Oregon State, as we'll go to you on this one, Mark, as we know that Oregon State, they've now got their coach for a very, very long time locked up under a new deal. But 
I don't know if it warrants this much of a line move as Oregon State opened up a five and a half point favorite. They're now between a 10 to a 10 and a half point favorite against a Florida team that let's call it what it is after they knocked off Utah. It's a little bit disappointing from there, but that said, they still were able to knock off Utah in that week one game that I thought was very, very important. Florida still has quite a few skill guys. This is going to be a game out here and lovely Las Vegas as it is the Las Vegas Bowl. Where do you stand in terms of this game? Because I do think that Oregon State is a better team, but I feel like the line move might be a little bit too drastic here. Yeah, I think we're going a little too far with the line move. Getting double digits here with with Florida, I think is advantageous. Listen, everybody's out. Everybody bailed on this game from the Florida side. You know, I get it. But when you look at these two teams and, and how they're built and what they want to do, you know, they want to run the ball, right? Napier wants to run the ball. You know, Oregon State wants to run the ball. They want to shorten, you know, possessions. They want to flip the field, you know, and really grind out this game. And so in that type of game script, the points are going to be more valuable, right? And, and, you know, when you look at these two teams, sure, Florida has, you know, a lot of players opting out, but it's still SEC against Pac-12. And I don't want to tout that SEC is the only conference in college football, but from a recruiting standpoint, this Florida team, much, much deeper than than Oregon State. So and they're going to have some young kids here that are really willing to step up. And, and, you know, like this is their opportunity to shine. They've been able to play all year. They're going to be able to hop in here and make an impact in a bowl season, put some tape on film now that the NILs in play. These games meet a lot for these kids stepping in here. So I just think Florida is the deeper team, and they're going to be able to handle these opt-outs, these guys that aren't playing a little bit better than the market's kind of reflecting right now. So um, I think in a, in a low-scoring game, I, I don't think that the, you know, the Florida depth here is going to be okay. They're going to be able to hang in here, make this one tight. So getting to 10 points, I, I think it's valuable here. So I took the Gators and a little bit of a follow up here on that, Mark. How do you gauge some of these motivational spots? Because no question about it. I do think that there's going to be quite a bit of one for Oregon State. The fact that you now have your man on the sidelines there for a very long time. I think that that's good for them. Oregon State doesn't have a whole bunch of like flashy first round picks are opting out or anything like that. But you just mentioned a very good point in that a lot of the backup guys. Now they're going to be able to have a chance to shine, whether that be with Florida next year or perhaps elsewhere. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, a lot of these college players know that when they get to the point, you know, the more they get into their deeper in their career, it's like playing on a one-year contract. You know what I mean? Like every time you get on the field, you know, you got to put out your best effort because, you know, you know it can it can really affect your bottom line and how much money you can make in the NIL. So um, I think these players are, are going to be even more motivated than ever, the ones that are on the field. Um, from a motivational standpoint from Oregon State, I agree. I think it helps. It's more of a, like, a, a, a lack of a negative, right? You know what I mean? If When there's coaching issues and uncertainty, I think you can see kind of letdowns. Um, but, you know, in a situation of where, like, you know, a, a coach like we have with Oregon State, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. There are certain situations with players where you can kind of look into it, like a guy like, you know, uh, you know, Hayner decides to play in the bowl. You know, they know guys are coming back, you know, Grayson McCall and whatnot playing in his bowl situation. That could cause a motivational edge for that team. But um, I think for the most part, these players know what's at stake when they get out on the field and they're trying to show out and put their best foot forward. That is such a good point to bring up as well, because it's something that I always mention when it comes to tanking teams like NBA, NFL, what have you. Sure, the front office might be tanking. Sure, you might not be having out there your A-plus team, but 
The guys that are actually out there, they're going to be giving you 110%. Those are guys that many of them, they might be on their last opportunity and they need to have a good showing in order to get their next contract as well. So such a good point there by you, Mark. And Mark, I know you're going to be joining me on the flip side to take a look at some UFC. Tom, I know you're going to run after you provided some great insights here. I know that you do a great job over at Action Network. Always do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always great. And coming up next, talking to the UFC with Mark Drummeller on the flip side here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Decent the Sports Bank. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Sports are in full swing, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football, soccer, hockey, or basketball fan, Bet Rivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Bet Rivers is calling all soccer fans. Head on over to BetRivers.com as well to check out World Cup Daily Betting Gets as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be rejoined by our good friend Mark Drummell, who does great work at Yahoo Sports. Not only does he do a great job taking a look at both college football and the NFL, but does a great job in the UFC. And let's dive into this card because we've got a nice little fight night that's coming up. It's going to be the last one before Christmas, but... That said, we've got a lot of fights in which there's not a lot of lopsided money lines. There was only one fighter that I saw really north of about minus 250, minus 260, which I think that that's very nice. And let's start towards the bottom of the card as this is going to be a name that I'm going to butcher. I will just throw that out there as well as I know this name, Brian Battle. He is right now the underdog in this fight against Renat Bardinov. Hopefully I said that correctly, but... With the favorite in Renat, I'm going to just say the first name, right around minus 145 with Battle. He's coming in right around plus 125, and I know that you're going to make a little bit of a case for the underdog. I think that this is a really intriguing fight, and I like what I've seen out of Battle. Yeah, I do too, and I think the main thing with Brian Battle here is he's relentless. He's going to come and he's going to bring the pace. Um, you know, Fokrandinov is going to try and really take him down, and that's really his game. You're going to see him really try to focus on getting Battle on his back and, you know, really winning with his, you know, wrestling and grappling. But I think Battle has strong enough takedown defense to really make him work and, and to keep it standing. And he's just a, a relentless striker. has a high motor. Um, so I think, you know, this one probably goes to a decision, but I think battle outlasts him as the fight goes on. And really, you know, his cardio starts to take over. He starts to pour it on, you know, in the second, third round. And I, I just think he wears them out. Uh, you know, battle's a really fun fighter to watch. You know, a lot of people worried his last fight, cutting down the welterweight. What's that going to do to his cardio? Is he going to be the same type of fighter past that test with flying colors and I think he continues his winning streak um in this matchup here I, like I said I think that he's you know going just going to be more relentless and and be able to score more points with the judges in this one so I like battle at the number plus 110 um I think it's solid even at even money yep and we've actually seen the money come in a little bit against battle he's up to right around plus 120 plus 125 in a lot of spots which I'm a little bit intrigued by that as well and Allow me to make the case right now. Anyone that's having to do UFC hits this week and or the announcers in the ring this week, they deserve extra money because taking a look at the names, there are 
quite a few that are going to be interesting to pronounce. Well, the good news is this is a very familiar one as Saeed Nurmagomedov. And I was mentioning to this with you a little bit off air. It feels like there's a Nurmagomedov on like every single card right now. They should have a prop in which if you have a Nurmagomedov on the card, you're able to get it at minus 110 juice, something like that. The yes, no prop on this. But that said with him, it's a relative pick of fight. He's going up against Sayakub Karakou. Karamanov. Hopefully I said that one correctly, but with Nurmagomedov, like I said about a pick'em fight, your round prop on this fight is to the over, right around minus 170. Where do you stand here? Because obviously the family lineage, certainly in favor of Nurmagomedov, and feels like it's about the 20th of these guys that we have seen, but what are you really seeing out of him? Yeah, so Saeed Nurmagomedov is is interesting because he's much different than Habib was, right? Habib, solid wrestling, grappling, tries to take you down. And that's really what Nurmagomedov's opponent's going to want to do in this one, Kakramanov. He's going to try and really just, again, like get this fight to the ground, use his wrestling. Nurmagomedov likes to operate in space on the outside. Really fun fighter to watch. Does a lot of spinning kicks, spinning back fists. Like, really likes to move in space and doesn't want to get suffocated. But if he does, like, if this fight still goes to the ground, he still has ways to keep this competitive, has really good submissions, um, really good grappler as well. So he's more of, like, a total package than kind of what we're used to seeing out of some of these um, Dagestanian fighters, a lot like Ankalaev, you know, as we saw just fight for the title, um, ended up in a draw against Blahowicz. Nothing like staying up all night to, to find out that the, nothing's been decided. But, um, you know, I was on Ankalaev, so a little, little testy about that decision. But, you know, we move on. But here, I like Nurmagomedov. I just think, again, in more ways to win is going to operate in space here against more of a one-dimensional fighter. Um, and I think he's going to be able to get the job done here. I think it's a decent price at minus 110. Yeah, there were some baddie decisions in that card last week, if you get my drift <laughs> yeah. there. So... That was one in which, yeah. Not a good week for the judges. No, that was not a good week at all. And, man, the, I think their punishment should be they have to say all these names correctly without having one single slip-up. That, that should be their punishment for that because, man, that was not necessarily too terrific. And I do think that this is going to be a relatively interesting one because it is the highest money line fight out there. It's Alessandro Castro. He's going to be going up against Amir Albazi. Albazi, a big favorite. We've seen the money come in against him, but right now we're seeing the favorite right around between minus 420. I'm seeing as low as minus 365 here at Circa for Casa. I really just don't see a path of victory for him, but I know you've got a little bit of an exacto. You're trying to reduce the juice on this fight. Yeah, I am. And listen, this is why I like the UFC. It makes Drumheller sound like a piece of cake. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Not a problem in this one, but... Now, in regards to this fight, we have the big favorite in Albazi, biggest favorite on the card, and I think that this is a good way to kind of get him down to a reasonable price is to play him by submission. You know, he's going to run through this guy. Like, I, I don't think Costa has a prayer here. Um, you know, you can play Albazi on the money line if you want to lay all that juice, you know, but I, I, I think that when you look at Albazi and his game, very well-rounded, right? Great submissions, but also a good striker, good wrestler, but typically you know, is able to get the submissions. We, nine of his 15 career wins have been by submission. Six of his last nine, two of his last three fights have been by submission in the first round. So it's definitely his go-to as far as finishing fights. So I think that that's probably the most likely, uh, you know, 
probability as far as outcomes concerned here. If you think Costa has enough, you know, defensive grappling and, you know, can warn off the submissions, you know, then you can probably play Albazi by decision at plus 225. But, um, you know, I think he eventually wears them down and is able to put them away here. So I think submission is probably the best way to attack this. You know, you're getting a huge favorite at, you know, three to one, four to one. And then, you know, you get them down, um, you know, to, to this reasonable price, which is almost at even money plus 110, uh, you know, right in that area. So I think it makes a lot of sense, Albazi, by submission in this one. Absolutely. And what I like about the main fight that we're going to be seeing on this card, it is right around a pick and price as well, because I know you were talking about reducing the juice, trying to get that closer to minus 110. But this one, it is right around minus 110, minus 115, depending upon who you like. It's Sean Strickland going up against Jared Cannonier. With this round prop, we're seeing it right around about a four and a half, little bit of juice on the over, right around about minus 125 or so. Where do you stand in terms of this one? Because I do think that both of these guys are relatively equal, and both of these guys, they've got a pretty good resume on them, and I think it's a big fight for both. Yeah, it really is, and they do have great resumes. And you look at both these fighters, both fought in July in the same card, um, you know, Strickland, got knocked out by the current champion, Alex Piera. And then, uh, you know, Kanir, main event in that fight, ended up losing to Adesanya, you know, by decision. But that's the key here. Strickland got knocked out, and this fight's really going to be about distance management because Strickland wants to stay on the outside. He wants to use his jab, put his jab in your face, kind of rack up points that way. And I think that's what he has to do to win against the more powerful Cannoneer. Cannoneer is going to, you know, he's the guy with the power here. He wants to get inside, you know, smash you with his uppercuts, you know, and, and really do damage that way. And I think he's going to have the ability to do that. If this was a three-round fight, I might favor Strickland and think, hey, you know what? He can survive three rounds. He can rack up the points on the outside, frustrate Cannoneer, and maybe get this one to the judges. But I'm not positive he's going to be able to be disciplined enough to stay on the outside and fight that fight for a whole full five rounds. I think Cannoneer uses leg kicks to kind of soften him up, make him more stationary, and then, you know, is able to kind of get inside and really start, you know, lighten them up with heavy exchanges and kind of roping Strickland into the fight that Cannoneer wants wants him to be in and it's a fight that really favors Cannoneer he's the guy with the power he looks like the Hulk you know he's super bulked up very powerful fighter and I, I think he gets the job done here I just think in a five round fight it's going to be hard for Strickland to avoid danger and especially coming off like listen it was six months ago but he's still coming off a knockout loss there's an added layer of concern there how does he respond to that you know can he take Cannoneer's big shots um, I'm going to bet against it. You know, I think Cannoneer's the side here. I think he gets the job done. He probably puts him away. You know, you can look at Cannoneer inside the distance, but um, I think the money line price is, is good enough to where, you know, you can just play that as well. I think that that's a good look as well. And <clears throat> excuse me, also with a good look as well is a VEASAN pro tip. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Do not clear your throat into the microphone for one and for two. Keep in mind when it comes to college bowls, our good friend Mark Drummeller. Gave this one out. Take a look at motivation for these backup guys. They're going to be getting a little bit of added run as well. Coming up next, I talk some college basketball and get my DK Nation back here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.